0: Your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Wide receivers
1: each way. Clifford gets the snap. Zone read, back to throw, being rushed, gets hit. Bubbles the football. Pick it up. Picked up yes. Nebraska, racing toward the goal line, and scoring is Deontay Williams. Deontay Williams knocked the ball free, scoop and score. It's all Nebraska right now in Lincoln. 23-3, big Red
0: sports nightly is presented by the ndot highway safety office who reminds you to buckle up and put the phone down now let's check the pulse of husker nation with your hosts greg sharp and ben mclaughlin
1: here we are back for another night of sports island thank you so much for spending some of your evening with us here it's your hump day edition of sports island as we're now on the downhill tread toward another weekend. I hope it warms up this weekend. I took the dog for a walk this afternoon, Ben. My ears got cold. Come on. <laughs> it's supposed to be in the 60s right now, not
2: in the 40s. Yeah, I went outside to mow. Nope. Turned right back around. Went inside. <laughs> I'll to worry about that later. <laughs> oh, man. It, yeah, It's supposed to be like, I think
1: the, the average high is like 64 or something like that. We've been kind of stuck in these 40s. It is supposed to warm up in a couple of days but yeah I'm, I'm ready for it after what was a brutal winter around here with all the snow and then those freezing temperatures uh we're all ready for it to just kind of kick in and stay spring for a while spring football is going on and my goodness sound like the guys scrimmaged today and it was a big day for the defense you concerned about this um
2: no i i don't think so i i uh First of all, I just appreciate the honesty, right? I mean, I I like hearing about bad days just because I feel like you can can really get a feel for what's going on um, more realistically than, you know, if every day was a good day or everybody had their best day all the time. So I I love the honesty from the coaches. And, you know, you've even heard Coach Frost say that, you know, it's going to be a, you know, A back and forth it's going to be kind of a tug of war and it has been that at times so yeah I'm okay with it and and here's the thing Nebraska's defense isn't a slouch so you would expect them to win sometimes I mean I think that's a that's a group that is confident and has a lot of experience and I think you 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 probably expect them to to win on some days no I, I agree with you and
1: for the people that get tired of hearing about oh we had a great practice today it was refreshing, right, to hear to hear some coaches, and it was Sean Beckton and Greg Austin who met with the media today. In fact, we'll get into a practice report here in a couple of minutes, who both said, "Great day for the defense. They brought it. We didn't match it, and it's disappointing." And it was it was it was kind of refreshing. I kind of like, okay, there we go. Good. Not every practice is roses and rainbows. You know, there there, there is some times where it's not been very good, and I'm with you. And a lot of times in the spring you're still installing things offensively and they're trying to figure out who their playmakers are and you got some guys that are hurt right now in that backfield so they're probably not clicking on all cylinders and that defense and yes they're missing some guys like Joe Joe and some of those folks Ben steely that aren't doing a whole lot right now but there's more depth on that side of the ball and they are they are further ahead than the offense so I, I'm with you it didn't bother me at all. And I was kind of like, oh, okay, finally we get some coaches who admit that they didn't have a great workout today. But uh, so the Huskers did. They didn't. They normally kind of save these scrimmages, Ben, for the last practice of the week, whether it be a Friday or a Saturday. But last Saturday was the open practice for the folks, so they didn't. They didn't scrimmage. What what everybody saw, and you were there was a practice where they did different stations and they do different drills and they do different things. It was not a 120-play scrimmage, so they saved that for today. Um, I, I, you know, If anybody went and would like to sound off on this, would love to hear from you at 531-546-86. If you went hoping to see more scrimmaging, you might have come away disappointed Saturday, right, Ben? Because there wasn't really much good on good, maybe just a couple of stations where they'd do it for four or
2: five plays. Yeah, that was pretty much it, and nothing more than um, seven on seven. So, yeah, I think uh, it wasn't a scrimmage day, and uh, you know, like you said, if you expected that, you're probably kind of bummed. Yeah. But um, you know, it's still fun watching. It's still fun watching the seven on sevens and the the DBs and the wide receivers go at it. They they ran a lot of routes as you as you would expect. You've seen practice. They get a lot of reps in. They do a lot of different things um, while they're out there, even though it is only seven on seven. But it's just uh, it's great to see him working. And, you know, that, to me it didn't diminish the practice experience because um, it was just great to get eyes on, on players. And, and so, you know, save those scrimmages for another day and it uh, sounded like that day was today. And I'm sure there will be more before they uh, hang it up for the spring. And for for the folks who went last week, you're probably coming back May first.
1: You will see a scrimmage then. That that will be a yes. game on May the first. So, uh, if you didn't, if you were disappointed, you, you you will see a lot more of what you probably wanted to see on May the first. And tickets still available for that. Uh, and all speaking of tickets that are available, uh, the Huskers account tweeted out a little bit ago that there are tickets available for the Final Four in volleyball up in Omaha tomorrow night. And I know folks are disappointed, and probably the want to go isn't that deep because the Huskers aren't there, but the city of Omaha, which bids to get these kind of events in, probably needs some folks to come through the doors to make it look good for what should be some great volleyball tomorrow night, with particularly that Texas-Wisconsin match, which will be the second match of the night. The first one will pit Washington uh, against Kentucky, but it's still outstanding volleyball. So if you if – you, if you love volleyball, if you have a youngster who's a big volleyball fan, there are tickets available for the Final Four up in Omaha tomorrow night. Might be a great chance to go watch some really high caliber uh, collegiate volleyball there. Uh, ben, it's that time of the week where more projections come out for the NCAA tournament for baseball. The Huskers s- squarely in. They're they're not they're not a bubbleish team. They're, this team, with what they've done at eighteen and six, they're solidly in. And, and right now, I think for the most part, they're a two-seed. They're, they're, and with the regionals going to be rewarded, awarded out here in a couple of weeks and Nebraska can keep winning, they're going to have a chance to host this regional. I'd like to get away from Arkansas and Fayetteville, right? I mean, it looks like Arkansas is the one or the two-seed. Uh, and not. The, I, I, and I love going to Fayetteville to watch college baseball games, but I'd maybe like to steer away from those guys a little bit. And I really don't want all the, the Van Horn, Will Bolt comparisons flying around that you know would happen if that happened.
2: Yeah, right. I mean, that—that's first of all, you're absolutely right. Nebraska is not a bubble team at the moment. I mean, they are firmly in, and uh, they're even starting to get some love in a couple of the polls. Not the big one of D1 baseball just yet, but um, I do feel like the, uh, you know, the buzz around Nebraska baseball around the country is finally starting to come. And I think we knew that if the team would just continue to play well and take care of their business, that that it would. But I'm with you. I mean, the, the, the comparisons and the, the questions about Will Bolt and uh, Dave Van Horn would get really old. And you you don't want to take away Will's first regional by burying that. And um, by the looks of it, I, I'm seeing no worse than three, no, no more than four Big Ten teams. So the line that I set at the beginning of three and a half Big Ten teams is still, I think, dead on. I think that's exactly where – uh, the chips are going to fall somewhere in that um, three to four range, depending on who separates themselves from the pack. But, you know, um, I think the hot team right now is, is Iowa. Uh, Iowa and Michigan are the other two teams that, that I saw today. So, I, look, I, looking at where the other Big Ten teams are, I think Iowa is project, projected to go to Knoxville. And I think Michigan maybe to go out to Eugene or someplace like that. Give me that over. Uh, give me the. And here's the other thing. How many times in a row do we, are we going to make a regional and be matched up with the perennial number one overall yeah. t- overall seed? I'm just, uh, I'm kind of, I'm kind of ready to. I mean, we liked our regional a lot in in, in Oklahoma City. Don't get me wrong. There, I, that was a regional that I felt. I think you and I both felt Nebraska had a real chance to win that region. Um, unfortunately, it didn't happen that way. But yeah, getting matched up against the number one team in the country isn't something that excites me too much. As great as their ballpark may be. Yeah, and here's the thing.
1: If Arkansas ends up being the one or two overall seed, and I think they've got a great chance to do that, and if Nebraska keeps doing what they're doing, Nebraska is going to be a very high two. Well, you don't put a real high two with one of the real high ones. You just don't do that. You have to try to balance the field out a little bit, and so that's where I think... If Nebraska keeps playing the way they are, they're probably playing their way out of the Fayetteville regional. If we don't get to host one here, which that's my number one goal, would be able to do that. But if Nebraska keeps playing well, they probably will get sent to a region where they it's a low one, right? It shouldn't. Didn't it kind of a snake
2: uh,
1: the way they format this
2: thing? Yeah, I mean that that has been the case in the past, where you know you you, you format things that way. Um, you know, think about the time we were up in Corvallis. You know, that was a, a Nebraska team that, you know, kind of quote unquote barely snuck in. And so they, they stuck us with the one seed, which I don't know that was entirely unfair. Right. Um, but, you know, there are other times too that you look at it and um, you know, the regional aspect of it, the geography of it, I think they, they really try and, uh, and, and pair that up sometimes. But I, I agree, if Nebraska's a ranked team or on the heels of being ranked, it, it would be not a good situation to be stuck in a in a Fayetteville or even a Nashville down down in Vanderbilt or you know one of those one of those regions would just be a really tough break for the huskers yeah it'll keep
1: winning and I am telling you I think that the odds of hosting keep going up and the odds of being in a, a regional that's winnable go up as well so that's the task for this team in the coming weeks we're going to hear from jackson hallmark coming up in the second hour of the program ben caught up with him earlier today he has played some great baseball he went into he went into the game sunday hitting over 400 now he went over wore the collar on sunday so he dropped below 400 with uh, that but we even commented on the broadcast nick and i did that man entering play today we're getting we're past the midway point of the season and he was a 404 hitter um he, he's having a tremendous season he is so much fun to watch play baseball he has turned himself into a terrific college player so we'll hear from him coming up in hour number two we'll also hear from our major league baseball insider lane grendel provided that the brewers afternoon game with the padres gets over there in the bottom of the eighth inning right now lane leaning off the air to be able to join us but i'm confident in an hour we'll probably be able to lasso him for a few minutes to get a our weekly update on the major leagues hour number three buy sell Wednesday night can't wait to See how the questions turned out last week and what kind of questions all the guys have put together for this week. We'll also hear from Husker softball coach Rhonda Ravel. Her team playing decent. They're tied for fifth right now in the conference. they got a couple of home series coming up, including the Badgers this weekend at Boland Stadium. We'll get a preview of that matchup. Wisconsin's down a little bit this year. They're not playing great softball, so we'll hear what the coach has to say about that matchup in our number three. And a full practice report coming your way here in just a couple of minutes. We're back on a Wednesday night of Sports Island here on the Husker Sports Network. Greg Sharp, Ben McLaughlin with you in time for us to dive into tonight's practice report every practice
3: we're going to work on it every single day until these guys master it all
0: season long
3: there's nothing better as an athlete than being part of something that's bigger than just yourself and i think these guys are starting to feel that and we'll keep building it it's
0: time for a husker football practice report on sports nightly
3: practice report brought to you by J
1: tech construction J tech construction the official exterior experts of the Huskers. Some offensive coaches met with the media today, and they weren't very happy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, and we'll hear why here uh, momentarily. <laughs> it was Nebraska offensive line coach Greg Austin and Nebraska tight end coach Sean Beckton meeting with members of the media today. We'll start first up front on the offensive line. Coach Austin, the offense not performing to the standard during the scrimmage. Here's what he had to
4: say. Yeah, it was the whole offense. I mean, it was pick a position. You know, guys weren't Dialed into the details of what they were doing, and you know, um, certainly, um, you know, our defense played with more energy this morning initially, and uh, you know, they carried it throughout practice. You know, we ahead. had we had some bright moments, but you know, overall, just was not to our standard.
2: So there you go. Not just not happy with uh, the overall performance today uh, of the defense, Coach Austin. kind of shedding some light on what needs to be better there moving forward. Um, One thing that I was really curious about, and I know a lot of people are, uh, not just curious today, but probably curious, um, you know, moving forward into the fall, how is Nebraska running the football? No marquee step with the surgery out for the spring. What's it look like?
4: How have we been running the ball? It's been good. You know, we've been going back and forth, and, you know, we've been uh, certainly up front. um, talking about the details, the explosives, you know, establishing a new line of scrimmage. Those are the things that we're working on, finishing blocks, you know. um, And and that's been good for us. Those are things that we've gotten better at. Um, But it's just, again, consistency.
2: I'll be interested to hear uh, much closer in fall camp how this is going, but I think there's still a lot of the fundamentals and the basics being handed down right now in that regard. Right. Um, Hard to get... Much consistency in the run
1: game when a lot of the guys are standing on the sideline, right? Yes, I mean that's that's the yeah, that's part of the issue. He he didn't mention that there, and he can't use that as an excuse. Next man up, right? Whoever is good to go goes, but guys that I kind of feel like are going to be the top one, two, and three guys in some cases aren't out there right now, so that has to make it more difficult.
2: Yes. Good point. All right, let's talk about some of the guys up front. And a name that's that's gained some buzz and has been around for a while now is Matt Sichterman from Ohio. Coach Austin gave his thoughts on Matt.
4: Yeah, man, I tell you, you know, Sick is a, a kid that, you know, I'm very proud of um, as it relates to his tenure of being here. You know, he's, uh, up until now, he's just been a kind of a backup, a quality backup. And, you know, I didn't know what it was, he was going to be coming in the spring, you know, and when I say I didn't know what he was going to be, I knew that we were going to give him a shot and um, he's taken full advantage of it and um, he's done a really good job. He's been consistent. um, He's been a leader. He's been a vocal leader. He's been everything that we've ever asked him to be. um, And he's been a pretty productive offensive lineman for us. So I'm pretty proud of him and um, looking forward to, you know, where he goes and what, um, you know, what he does with that position. Greg,
2: this has potential to turn into a really neat story. If Matt Sichterman can find a way to get on the field and contribute to this group, um, you talk about a guy that came in pretty, pretty highly thought of. He wasn't a, a Turner Corcoran or Bryce Benhart-type level recruit, uh, but he, he came to Nebraska, and you know it, it took him a long time to get to where he is right now. He waited it out. I don't think anybody Anybody could have blamed him at all if he decided to transfer and go to another school because of playing time. You think about waiting till right now to even have a chance to play. This is a story we could be end up telling for a while if Sichterman is able to get on the field and, and contribute. He's waited a long time for this time to, to come. Sure has. He's grown up. He's now a man. He, he's – He's not forty, but he's a man.
1: Uh, he he's been on special teams. He's been on the punt shield group, and he's been on some on the line on on PATs and that type of thing. So he's gotten some snaps doing that, but he's not. Uh, unless the game is a blowout one way or the other we've not seen him on the field but you did saturday he he was out there when the first group took the field and i know they rotate that a lot during spring ball to not let anybody feel comfortable but he was out there with that first group on on saturday so he he's been around the block a bunch and he's probably just grown up a lot and i know he's a real cerebral guy who thinks the game really well and you're right. It'd be a great story, but I certainly know this. He gives them great depth. If he, even if he's not a starter, it's a guy that I know that they feel in a pinch they could throw in there, and he'd be fine.
2: Yes, absolutely. So we'll keep an eye on Sichtman as camp rolls along and we get into the fall as well. So just something to pay attention to moving forward. Another guy that's on the other end, kind of a, a younger gun, is Brant Banks uh another young gun that was a pretty highly thought of commit i i think greg i was on my honeymoon when banks committed i think he was one of the guys that uh was a late late get into the class coach austin talked about brant banks and his progression
4: uh brant banks uh a, a guy that's working guard and tackle uh, i was doing a good job developing you know uh, biggest thing with Brant is he's such a long kid getting him to stay in his hips you know uh but um, every, every single day you can see some progress from him. And, um, you know, he's a guy that's going to, he's a solid, solid player uh, that we're looking to utilize in multiple positions this upcoming year.
1: He's big. Thoughts on
2: Brant Banks. <laughs> yeah.
1: He's big. Everybody remember, he's the one that they took for the basketball tournament a year <laughs> yeah. or so ago. He and Noah Vedrel over there, and they could barely get a uniform big enough to cover him. He's a mountain of a man. And another guy, I always say this with offensive linemen in particular, They take cer- certain guys take longer to cook. Take longer to get ready to play and be helpful. And you just don't give up on a, a Matt Sickerman or a Brant Banks, and they're adding depth. And this is – that's the beauty of spring practice is you can one day let, let a guy work with the ones and see how he meshes with that group and then rotate him out to a different spot the next day. This is – this is what Nebraska missed last spring, not having days like today or weeks like they've been going through in the last month to kind of mix and match guys a little bit. So, yeah, Brant Banks, I think, will be a starter at Nebraska before it's all said and done. Missed both free
2: throws. Can't, can't be – got to knock did. down our foul shots. Yeah, that's going to have to be brought <laughs> up. Oh, yeah. Um, okay, so we talk a little bit of individuals. What about the depth on the offensive line right now as it sits?
4: Well, I mean – Heck, I mean, you're talking about having five guys in 2018. We got nine guys now. You know, we got, got nine guys that can play. Uh, so, you know, there's competition. There's competition. You know, and, and I know that, you know, I don't know if somebody's going to ask about him, but Nuri is, Nuri Nuwili is a, a solid player, up and coming guy that's going to be, he's one of the count- countable guys. I think he's going to be one heck of a player. Uh, He's going to contribute this fall for us as well.
2: So, a lot of names that are kind of thrown into this pot right now of guys that are going to help, and, and again, it again goes back to earlier what we say—the old cliche, "competition makes everybody better." I have to imagine it gets pretty intense in those O-line reps when you've got nine guys that are that are pushing for time, and um, you know you've got a departure of two guys in Matt Farniok and Brendan Hymus that open two spots up. That I'm sure that gets people's juices flowing in terms of. Competing for spots. Okay, so talk a little bit about the depth and some of the guys. Does that present any challenges to Coach Austin?
4: The challenge is puzzling it, but then also the challenge is um, making sure that the guys understand where their value is. You know, you got that many they got that many guys that can play for you. You know, I mean we we live in a world now where you know guys can transfer with free will, do whatever. I mean, you know, so you got to recruit them while they're here you know, as you're coaching them. So you always have to make sure that you're being personable and, you know, doing things with them to make them feel valued. And, and that's the, the troubling thing. That's a tough thing, not a troubling thing. That's a tough thing about making sure that, that you can keep the guys, keep the guys intact, and you're developing your room, developing the culture of your room while you're doing it
1: that is an unbelievable bite right there from coach Austin yes. talking about having to con- constantly continue to recruit the guys on your team because of now the new landscape and the transfer portal and that you know if you if you're maybe too hard on a guy or you ignore a guy too much that he's just going to up and leave. And you're, in the back of your mind, I'm like, man, I had big plans for you. You were going to be a big help for us. Maybe not in 2021, but in 2022 and 2023, that, there's so much in that, that one comment there from Greg Austin. Wow, that was a great cut right
2: there. That's the most impactful soundbite we've heard all, all spring and maybe all year. I mean, I think it just kind of dips into the mind of where these coaches are and where, where they need to be in terms of mindset from here on out. Uh, we'll finish up with Coach Austin on just on some development of some of the younger players. We talked about Brent Banks already. Where are they at in terms of progressing throughout the spring?
4: Uh, yes and no. I mean, if a young guy's mature enough and he can take well to it, do it. Heck, I played my true freshman year here, so you know. And if I feel like a guy's ready and and go, and ready to go, now there's as we you know continue to develop this program. You know, um, the young guys right now, you know, are going to be old heads and we're bringing in these young guys and, you know, uh, we're going to get our program in a place where, you know, you got to be probably a second or third year player in order to see the field. You know, uh, that's when you have, you know, a lot of snaps under your belt and that's when you can really produce some really good tenured seasoned offensive lines. Um, But nevertheless, if you're ready to go, heck, let's go, let's play you. They, they put that four-game rule in there for a reason. You know, get your, you get your feet wet a little bit.
2: <laughs> you almost forget, forget about the four-game redshirt and yeah, right. everything that's, that's going <laughs> on uh, with the landscape of college football. All right, let's switch gears. Let's talk some tight ends with uh, Coach Becton. But first, before we get into his guys, let's get his perspective on the day and how the scrimmage went for the offense.
5: Well, today, um, offense and defense have been going back and forth all spring, uh, today, I didn't think the offense came out with the right attitude and mentality that we need to be champions uh, on a daily basis. So we got to learn from that. Uh, we picked it up as the practice went along. And uh, in, in order for us to be great, we got to. As soon as we hit that grass field, we got to make sure we're locked and loaded and focused. Uh, for the most part, the defense, you know, pretty much gave it to us today, but. The guys will come back, they'll bounce back and learn from it. We kind of needed that a little bit because we, we've been doing extremely well on offense. So when we have a little bit of a setback, we're going to see and challenge our guys and see if they're going to come out ready to go on, on Friday.
2: Man, that's pretty well said there from Coach Beck about what to do from here and, and letting that affect you, letting one bad day turn into a second All right, it's been, uh, what, I don't know, 13 minutes of this practice report, and we haven't talked yet about Thomas Fedoni. Well, let's go ahead and talk (laughs) about the freshman five-star and and how he's doing.
5: Well, this today was the best practice he's had since he's been here. Um, It's been a step-by-step process with him. Uh, He's coming to work uh, as soon as he's gotten here, and we've given him a lot of information, and he's done an unbelievable job. My goal... For him, I told him I'm gonna press him on every single detail that he, when he's in. Same thing with Carney. But but Fredoni has really, really improved since day one, and he's only gonna get better from here. Uh, He, the sky's the limit with him. He he caught maybe four or five passes a day, or really had a really good scrimmage. Uh, He's starting to understand the techniques and how to practice uh, on the college level, um, and this is his best day by far. Um, so I'm really, really proud of where he's come. Uh, we just got to keep pressing him to continue on. He's going to help this football team this year.
2: So let the hype train thing, begin. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and to build on that, I think the thing that's impressed me most, and, again, I've watched Thomas Fedoni practice exactly one time, but just based on what we've been hearing from the coaches this spring, particularly Coach Becton, um, The thing that I continue to be impressed with most about him is his mindset. Uh, He didn't come in with a big head. I'm a five-star. I'm the highest-rated recruit guy we've had in how many years, and I'm just going to come here and own this place. It sounds like he's taken every single thing, every practice, every piece of coaching and critique in stride and is really trying to improve as a football player. That is so important when you have a guy coming of that pedigree to have that work ethic and that want to get better. Love it. I love that comment, and they were not
1: overpraising him early in camp, but now it sounds like he's earned it, and why not? Give give him some crumbs, right? Tell him he's doing a good job. That's fantastic. This kid, the sky's
2: the limit for this kid talent-wise. He's got a chance to be a terrific college football player. And I think he will before he's done. Another guy who's developed into a really nice player for Nebraska and was one of the more – effective parts to this offense is Austin Allen. He's done a lot already in his career. What is next for the Aurora product?
5: The next step for him is I want him to be as physical as he can at the point of attack attack blocking. Uh, He's got elite pass catching skills, route running ability, and he's displayed that all spring. Uh, He's still not finishing blocks consistently. Uh, and that's what we're going to continue to work on. Uh, he, he engages well, but his body's so long, sometimes it's just hard for him to con- continue to drive through contact. But we're working on that every single day with him.
2: He's a really good football player, and mm-hmm. he's going to be a, a big part to this offense. And I think we're talking about guys like Fedoni, instrumental to helping guys like Fedoni and Carney and all of these young tight ends when they get here to say, hey, You know, this is what it takes to be great. This is how long it may take to be great. Don't expect it right away, but when it comes, it's going to come in bunches, and, you know, these are the ways that you can help our team win. Finally got in the end zone late last year, and I think that's (laughs) going to be the icebreaker. I really
1: do. I think that's going to flip the switch for Austin Allen to become a premier tight end in this conference.
2: I do. I would agree. All right, let's finish it up here and kind of generalize it a little bit and go to uh, comments from – Coach Frost and what Coach Frost emphasized to the team in their meeting.
5: Well, Coach Frost, we had a team meeting. Coach Frost wanted those guys to understand, hey, we still got a lot of work to do. Uh, we had a little taste of the fans being in in the, in the stands last week, uh, so they got motivated from that. But Coach Frost made an emphasis in our team meeting. Hey, we fellas, we have a long way to go still. We got still opportunities. Sometimes you're trying to look at the carrot down the road on May 1st, but we still got a lot of work to get done. And, and uh, I know he's going to make that same point to him tomorrow in, uh, in his uh, team meeting.
2: There you go. Comments from Sean Becton, tight ends coach, and Nebraska offensive line coach Greg Austin with our practice report. Fantastic. Really like both those guys. Greg Austin might be my favorite guy to
1: listen to. I I think he's a straight shooter. He tells it like it is. I mean, I, I, I get stuff out of him all the time. His first media session here in the spring is when he brought up the topic about we may not go quite as fast in practice. We may make sure we finish runs, finish blocks, more than worried about getting up and running back and getting lined up for the next play. That was huge. And the comment he made about continuing to have to recruit the guys that are on the roster That was gigantic. Good stuff right there. And Ben McLaughlin. Here we are. We're back for Hour 2 of our Wednesday edition of Sports Highly here on the Husker Sports Network, 531-500-4686. The number if you want to be a part of the program tonight. We're going to talk ball this hour. Husker baseball with uh, Jackson Hallmark making an appearance here on Sports Highly in a couple of minutes, and we'll talk about the major leagues with our insider, Lane Grindle. Mike and Oshkosh texted in saying, Going to get even more exciting for us in this baseball team. Guy's house, Kyle Perry. We talked about Kyle with Will Bolt the other night. He's doing some flat ground throwing. He's coming off of a arm surgery, Ben, that happened last summer when he was pitching for a summer team here in the state of Nebraska. Uh, but they think they might get him back to use him a little bit in May. That would be another added little
2: left-handed weapon they could get out of that bullpen. Oh, absolutely. You know, obviously Kyle's not going to get to a point where he could start games, but, you know, just in terms of competitive nature and guys that can have an impact and throw strikes, and uh, Kyle fits that bill, and, yeah, absolutely. When you get to the postseason, you'll use all the arm help that you can get, and Perry would definitely provide that. And the fact that he's been able to bounce back from Tommy John surgery in, what, less, less than a year is pretty incredible.
1: Sure is. Well, one guy that we've seen on the mound a couple of times this year is Jackson Hallmark, but he's mostly been patrolling center field for this team and just playing some t- tremendous baseball. And
2: Ben, you had a chance to chat with Jackson earlier today. I did, and Jackson has been a, a huge part to this team uh, with, with what he's doing offensively. But um, you know, he's he's come a long way and just started out by asking Jackson. You know, this is four or five in a weeks in a row. We've talked to a baseball player and. Coming off a good weekend, so I just asked him the same question, what the mood of the team is heading to East Lansing.
6: Uh, the boys are confident. There's a, there's a buzz in the clubhouse. The, everybody's playing good right now, and we're just trying to keep it going.
2: You've been a big part of this team for, for a long time now, and you know – Baseball is a game of, of ups and more importantly downs. How do you stay consistent? I mean, you you've been on teams that have been on roll. You've been on teams that are that have struggled. How how do you stay where this team is at through the longevity of a season?
6: You know, I've I've, I've played a lot of college baseball, and when I got here my freshman year, we weren't the best team, and uh, we lost a lot, a lot more than I would have liked. But uh, I learned in that season that the best way to deal with losing is to learn from it. And I think that's what a lot of these older guys bring to the table is like, we've learned from our mistakes and we know how to limit those mistakes. And this team has a, a really good mix of young guys that are eager to learn and eager to play and older guys that are willing to teach. And I honestly think that's what's created the most consistency is us older guys have done a pretty good job of teaching these younger guys how to deal with failure and how to continue success when you have it and these younger guys have just grabbed a hold of it and taken it i mean they're doing a fantastic job with it and i think that's the the best way that we've been consistent throughout this year so far is we're not scared to fail we're not playing not to lose we're playing to win
2: absolutely and i I want to start there i want to start with the older players what type of of message does it send when you've got uh, 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 a transfer in text from texas a&m and logan foster who um has had a couple hundred at-bats in his college career and he's not in the lineup every day mojo Haggy, who has been here for 47 years not in the lineup every day you've got <laughs> older guys that are that are just as patient as the younger guys and and how important is that number one uh, for the older guys to handle that the right way but number two you use the word teach to teach the younger players that sometimes you're not going to get your name written on the lineup card every day, but you better stay ready.
6: Well, what, what's amazing is guys like Mojo and Foster, they, they've played so much college baseball and they're not playing right now. They're not playing as much as they would like. And if you saw them pregame, like right before the game started, you would have no idea that they weren't playing because they're smiling, they're flying around in BP they're taking good BP. Like, they're taking care of their business. And, like, even without having to, like, tell a younger guy anything, that sends a message. Like, they see that. Like, they feel that. And they feed off of that kind of energy. And, I mean, like, for the younger guys that aren't playing, the two that stick out the most to me are Tyler Palmer and Garrett Anglum. They've seen the way that Foster and Mojo go about their business even when they're not playing. And they've adopted that. Palmer's taking out the outfielder stuff to him every inning. He's warming up the left fielder. Anglim is getting the stuff written on the board for grit plays, like right when it happens, before Bolt can even think about telling them to write it down. It's already written down. Like whatever their role is, they've like they've seen the older guys dominate their role, and they're dominating their role now too. It's 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 impressive to watch. It's very special. It's cool to watch
2: the other part to this that obviously helps the mood and help makes it makes all of that easier when you're winning and and you're putting it to teams and you're sweeping teams and you're getting to wear black on Sundays and that makes all of it easier what what has the winning aspect brought to just the approach day to day and 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 you know how to kind of reset every weekend
6: you know winning's contagious and when you when you get a taste of winning you 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 don't want to lose like nobody ever wants to lose. But like when you get a taste of winning, it's like, Oh, I'm going to do whatever I can to keep getting that taste. And like when we, we had a great week of preparation before we played Penn state and we went on the road and we swept a team that had three really good starting pitchers. And it's like, Oh, I know what I need to do to play good. And so this team, like, we know what we need to do. And we're going to keep doing what we need to do to keep chasing that feeling. Cause we know what it feels like to drop three in a row. We also know what it feels like to win six in a row. And I would much rather win six in a row than lose three in a row. And I know what I need to do to keep chasing that feeling. I think that's what this team does a very good job of, is preparing, putting in the the work before we get to the field to be ready to go when we get to the field.
2: Jax, one thing that we made pretty evident you know, from the first broadcast that we did of the year uh, down at Round Rock against Purdue was how deep this lineup is and, and how 7-8-9 can spark a rally just as easy as 1-2-3. And teams in the past haven't had that uh, capability. To be a part of an offense like this to where you guys utilize all nine innings, sometimes you're not successful till the seventh or the eighth inning. It only takes one round of ABs to turn a game. What's it like to be a part of an offense like this?
6: It's it's scary, it's scary because you never know. Well, not scary for us. It's scary for other teams because you never know if with two outs the seven hole is going to get a walk, and the eight hole is going to stick his nose on a curveball that's thrown at him, and then the nine hole is going to work a walk, and then Joey's going to hit a double into the gap at the leadoff spot. Like it can turn on a dime so quick with this team. Like you said, it like one through nine. There's there's no holes. Every single person in our lineup at all times can do damage to starting pitching to relief pitching like it it doesn't matter. It's it really keeps you engaged when you're not up at bat, but you're in the game knowing that at any time any of the guys that are up at the plate can just do damage.
2: What's it like batting behind Joe Acker to start a game when he's seeing 5 and 6 pitches every at bat? You
6: know, I've I've hit behind guys that swing first pitch and put a ball in play and You can't, like, when I'm on deck, like, I'm trying to get my timing. I'm trying to see pitches, trying to see what the shape looks like. And Joey is the absolute best leadoff hitter that I've ever seen. He sees eight pitches every at bat, it seems like. And he's always on first base when I get up to the plate. Like, by the time I'm up there, I have my timing for the pitcher down. I've seen most of his pitches, at least from the side, and have a decent idea of how he's going to attack me.
2: We've seen your offense evolve this year. Um, I mean, you're so versatile. You do a lot of things well at the plate. What changed? What changed for you, you know, maybe just mentality-wise? I I can't imagine your approach has changed too much, but just mentality when you step into the box, what you're trying to get done and, and why you're so good at it.
6: You know, I think when this coaching staff got here and they sat me down and told me that I was a runner and this is what I needed to do to be successful, I think it started to pay off last year. We just had a smaller sample size, and I was hurt for almost half the season of the shorter season. Like, you didn't really see it come out as much, but I could, like, feel it. I could feel that momentum building and building and building. And then this year it's just, like, I've been healthy the entire time. I know exactly what I'm trying to do no matter who's on the mound, lefty, righty, mid to high 90s fastball or mid 80s fastball. Like, I'm trying to put the ball in play hard, low, if the third baseman's not in my back pocket, I'm going to lay down a blunt in his face. I'm trying to create havoc on the base pass, and I'm trying to get in scoring position for our three and four hole. Like I, I think the mentality for me is just I don't care who's on the mound. I don't care what the situation is. I will succeed. And if I don't, if he beats me in that at-bat, he will not beat me in my next at-bat. And I think that's what I've done a good job of this year. Is I, like, I'm ready to go at all times.
2: Jackson, one thing I'm just curious to ask you. I mean, this this very well could be a question off the air, but I think our fans would probably be interested in knowing too. I feel like every weekend we're sitting here talking about a pitcher that throws 95, has four pitches, you know, strikeout-to-walk ratio is unbelievable. Is it is it me and Greg, or is it is it true that college pitching is developing and, you know, you're – the caliber of starters that you're seeing now is different than maybe when you started your career is, am I dreaming or, or is it, has it changed?
6: I, you're not dreaming. It's, it's changed. I remember my freshman year when we would watch film on pitchers and we would talk about pitchers before it was like, when they were, when a coach would say like, Hey, this guy's throwing 92, 93. It was like, Oh man, I better like, I better choke up and be ready to hit the fastball. And now it's like, okay, he's, 90 to 93, it's like, oh, okay, whatever. Cool. <laughs> Sock right-hander. And then we see guys like the uh, Maryland Friday night guys, 96 to 98, and it's like, oh, okay. I better get on time for the fastball. It's just like the depth in college baseball on the mound is evolving. And with COVID happening this past year, the depth, it's not just one guy. It's two or three guys, and it's three guys out of the pen. Like college baseball and baseball in the Big Ten – on the mound is progressing. I mean, you see it in the big leagues too. I was, I, w- I was watching MLB film room this past semester doing a paper about pitching in the MLB and how everybody's throwing harder. And there's no name guys in the pen that I've never heard of for the Yankees that were throwing 101 this past year. Just like who, who is this guy? He's a nobody. He goes 101. That's just the way the game's moving right now.
2: It's it's absolutely crazy um, to see how how that's changed. Um. Also helps to have one of those guys on your team, and Spencer Schwellenbach. We were all really excited to see Luis Alvarado pitch because we heard the rumors, we 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 heard it talked about, and of course we saw Luis pitch. Uh, he's obviously still pitching now in the minor league system. I think we were probably more excited to 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 see Schwellie pitch because of it was almost like this unicorn, right? He's going to pitch. He needs the surgery. He got the surgery. Uh, we're going to wait till this this time to see him pitch he's unleashed right now and man has he lived up to the expectation what, what's it like for you seeing shwelly on the bump and what, what what's the feeling that you have when he's coming in closing a game
6: you know whenever when shwelly came on his official visit i was his host and i had no idea who he was he was this goofy napoleon dynamite looking dude <laughs> i didn't know if he pitched or played shortstop or played the outfield and uh When he left, Coach Silva was like, Hey, did he like it here? I was like, Yeah, I think so. And he was like, Good, because that's one of the best recruits Nebraska baseball's ever gotten. And I was like, Oh. And he said, That guy can, (laughs) he said he can throw at 95. And I was like, There's no shot, whatever. (laughs) Well, he gets here. He's got arm troubles. All he can do is play the infield. And uh, I've, I've seen him go about his business the last three years building up the pitching. And seeing him get to throw live to hitters in game, it's, it's special. Like, I'm going to be able to tell my kids some sometime down the road that I got to play with that guy. And uh, the feeling in our dugout and on the field when Shwellie steps up on the mound, it's like, oh, let's go. Like, there's not a doubt in my mind that he's going to fill up the zone with his best stuff at all times. And when you're in the outfield, it's like, all right, get ready to go because they're either going to strike out or they're going to fluke into making contact. And he, he throws it so hard, you better get ready to get running.
2: It's unbelievable to watch, man. It's been, as I said, it's it surpassed any expectation that we had, which unfair to him was, was fairly high. And, yeah, to, to have him and Bunsey and, and Wynn, those guys come in in the bullpen, it's it's just nice to have, as you said, the depth that uh, that this, this staff's been able to build. Jax, we appreciate it, man. Uh, thanks for sitting down with us, giving us a few minutes. Let's, uh, let's go attack another week in East Lansing. Let's go get another series. Thanks, buddy.
6: Let's get it. No problem.
2: Jackson Hallmark Nebraska Senior Center fielder with us on our Woodhouse Auto Family Hotline, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service experience. The difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. Love that. Love that chat for a lot of reasons. But I think uh, people people are starting to get to know what Jackson is like as a person and just how fun of a dude he is. I mean, whipping out the Napoleon Dynamite comment on Spencer Schwellenbach <laughs> was just fantastic. But just an awesome kid and you know as a coach that's the type of player that you want on your team no
1: doubt will bold has not been shy about talking about how how valuable jackson his personality his work ethic his style of play has been to this team and he's in some ways a big part of the heartbeat for this team and and his game is just so fun to watch and he's always a threat to bunt uh, but yet he can pull it back and Whack one out of the ballpark. So he's just such a multifaceted player. He'll be one of those guys, Ben, too, that's going to have to make a decision at the end of the year whether he wants to come back and play one more season at Nebraska because of the free year the NCAA is giving people. I know the coaching staff would love to get him back, but
2: he's a huge reason why this team is off to the 18-6 and start. Love that guy. Yeah, no question about it. He is. He's going to be uh, one of the reasons uh, where this season goes. He's going to have a lot to say about, about that and where, you know, where this team ends up.
1: We're back, Sports Highly, here on a Wednesday night. Great to hear from Jackson Hallmark in our last segment. We now turn it up to the big leagues. Time to check in with our insider. His voice will sound familiar.
3: And ball has gone. Bye-bye baseball
0: his knowledge is endless
3: he looked so fast it
2: was unbelievable
0: he's our major league baseball insider
1: missed ate a brownie so i'm ready to go lane grindle fresh off calling a series sweep over the san diego padres on the brewers radio network we didn't even give you much downtime you probably just wrapped up your post game show here a minute ago
3: i literally just got in my truck i did. <laughs> Did the postgame show, I walked to the truck, and don't tell Fred Zwanacek, our good friend, because I'm actually driving while I'm doing this interview, but I'm doing it via hands-free. There you go. But it is go. in the snow. We're getting some major snow in Milwaukee. I don't know that it's wow. going to speculate, I'm talking huge snowflakes. Some of the biggest I've ever seen, which was ironic considering I called a game in San Diego today remotely. Go figure. Well, the,
1: that's a heck of a that's a heck of a sweep. Maybe maybe you don't agree, but I think San Diego's really good to go out there and sweep them on their ballpark. That's pretty impressive for the crew.
3: Yeah, San Diego's really good. That's a great sweep for the Brewers, and I think it was kind of a message to the rest of baseball. Uh, a lot of people have kind of fallen into the trap of Padres and Dodgers in the National League and then everybody else and I think uh, the Brewers said not so fast. We have the best pitching in baseball right now. And as long as that continues, uh, we're going to have a major say in what happens in the National League. The Brewers are playing really well, and they're doing it without Christian Yelich. He's on the injured list. Without Lorenzo Cain, he's on the injured list. Without Colton Wong, he's on the injured list. And they're doing it anyway. And by the way, the, the reigning National League reliever of the year and National League rookie of the year in Devin Williams is still kind of getting himself right because he got a late start to the season at the end of spring training, so he's not even pitching in high-leverage situations yet. So this team still has a a lot of room to grow. There's a high ceiling for this team, and they're playing great baseball right now.
1: Well, one guy you do have is Corbin Burns, and and some people may not realize that Corbin Burns might be as good a pitcher as there is in baseball right now. Just lay out what he has done to start this year.
3: Well, it's historic. He has uh, struck out 40 batters in his first four starts without issuing a walk. The, the most any starting pitcher had ever done to start a season before that was Adam Wainwright in 2013 when he struck out 35 in a row without issuing a walk. Um, he's at 40. Kenley Jansen has the overall record at 51, but that's over multiple relief outings that spanned all the way into June. He is the most dominant pitcher in baseball right now. I'm not saying that it's going to continue that way, Uh, I'm not saying he's got a, a better overall resume than guys like Max Scherzer and some of the other big names, but in this window, in this sample size, which is really dating back to the beginning of last season, he's arguably the best pitcher in baseball. He has better numbers than Jacob deGrom has if you go back to the beginning of the 2020 season, which is saying a lot. He's tremendous. He has five really good pitches, and he doesn't have to have every one of them when he gets onto the mound because he has a lot of different ways he can get you out. And so often what we see from an image standpoint is the batter tossing the bat in the air, exhaling, shaking their head, because they really have no idea what they're supposed to do against Corbin
7: Burns
1: well he's been tremendous and you've been had a front row seat to history watching that occur in his start against the Padres last night going back to San Diego I think everybody was mesmerized by their series with the Dodgers it seems like there's a lot of bad blood between those two and and their emotional tank might have been drained just a little bit when the crew came to town but uh, when they get Tatis back and going again they're going to be a threat in that West even though the Dodgers are off to such a hot start aren't they?
3: Yeah, the Dodgers are such a complete team, and that, that's part of the issue. They're, they are such a complete team, whether it's their rotation, whether it's their bullpen, uh, whatever it may be. They are just an absolutely complete baseball team. But the Padres, they play loud. They play like like a, a, a young team that really loves playing the game, and, and they don't back down to the Dodgers at all. They got Tetis back, but he doesn't seem like he's 100% back yet. He had a double in the ninth inning today. Um, he hit one home run in that Dodgers series, but he went one for 13 otherwise in that Dodgers series. So he's not back to being the MVP caliber player that we expect him to be, obviously. But Hosmer's having a good year. Machado's going to put up good numbers. They've got a very complete lineup, one through eight, with some great depth in it. Former Michigan player Jake Cronenworth is a really useful player for them. He doesn't strike out much, puts the ball in play, and he can play all over the diamond. Uh, The Padres are going to be there when it's all said and done. That's going to be a very fun battle in the NL West for sure.
1: Yep, no doubt. Lane Grendel's with us, our Major League Baseball insider here on Sports Nightly. You know, one franchise that continues to amaze me year after year, Lane, are the Oakland A's. They play in that dump of the Coliseum. Most people can't name four or five guys on their team. They just rallied today to beat the Twins late. They've won 11 in a row. How the heck do they do that out there in Oakland?
3: Man, it's just it's it's an elite front office that knows what they're doing. I I don't know how else to explain it. You know, everybody always goes back to to Moneyball and and Billy Bean and everything else, but that hasn't stayed static. I mean, they have they have changed and reinvented what they do, and they just always seem to be a step ahead. And they have some really good players. Let's not kid ourselves. I mean, Matt Chapman is one of the best players in baseball that few people know about. Uh, Matt Olson, I would put in that same category, they always find the right combination from a bullpen standpoint, you know, Liam Hendricks is gone, but Jake Diekman, a Nebraska native is having just a a marvelous run with the A's as a left-hander that's getting everybody out that he's facing. They're just a a really well-run team on the baseball side of their organization, and They got off to that slow start, and you're like, what's going on with the A's? But you also know there's always one of these runs in them, and now they've righted it, and they're going to be right there in that AL West.
1: Did you see them at all in spring training?
3: Yeah, uh, saw them I think just once in spring training. We went to their ballpark about halfway through, and, yeah, you could tell they're going to be good again. I mean, they're just – they're the A's uh, and I think in, in some ways the Brewers have a little bit of that kind of reputation you know yep. small market team doesn't have a big payroll but the front arm the front office just knows what they have to do to build a winner and to build a contender and they're able to do it kind of year in and year out even if they have to change some of the pieces out and I, I think that the A's were kind of one of the first teams to really show that this can be done without spending a ton of money. And a lot of other teams have modeled themselves after that, and maybe not doing it the exact same way, but understanding we can do this. We don't have to go have a $200 million payroll to win. We can be smarter. We can develop better. And uh, most of these teams all have – I mean, the Rays are not the same as the A's and not the same as the Brewers. But these are three franchises right there that I think you can look and point to and say, hey, they have found a way to be consistent – at winning and contending year in and year out for a, for a good chunk of this last decade.
1: Absolutely. I would absolutely throw all three of those in the same pot. You talked about the weather in Milwaukee not very good. It's been un- uncomfortable watching games in the last several days, Not not so much the Brewers out in San Diego, but, man, there's been a lot of cold-weather baseball played. I bet these guys can't wait for the thermometer to crank up. It's not fun playing in 38 degrees or 42 degrees, is it, for these boys?
3: No, it's really not. You, you think of the images from the Diamondbacks and Reds last night playing in snow in Cincinnati. Yeah. It's not yeah. fun to hit in that. I, you know, I don't think it's fun to pitch in it either. I mean, some guys maybe relish it because they get the pitches in on the hands of those hitters and they know that they don't want to be in the box. But for the most part, it's just not fun to be out there at all. It's not how baseball is meant to be played. It's meant to be played in the summer when it's hot and warm and the ball's flying out of the park a little bit more and it carries more. So, um, no, these guys are all ready for the, the, the hot weather to come, for the summer months to get here, and you do see a lot of guys that traditionally are slow starters, and that was why last year was kind of an interesting thing to watch, because it was like, hey, is Anthony Rizzo, who's traditionally a slow starter, is it because of the cold weather in Chicago and throughout the NL Central, or is it just because he's a slow starter regardless of what the weather's like. And so those are things we kind of watched last year since the season started at the end of July. I don't know that we were able to, to get enough out of that to make any sort of real um, conclusions from those things because there were other things going on too. There weren't fans in the stands. It was a different atmosphere. But it was one of those questions we were asking ourselves going into last year, were some of the traditionally slow starting hitters going to get off to better starts because of the fact that they didn't have to contend with that cold weather?
1: Lane, there's already been some really cool moments in the first couple of weeks of the season with the, with the two no-hitters that have been thrown. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing in press boxes around Major League Baseball, when those things are happening, people probably perk up, don't they, when they know that there's a no-no underway late in the game?
3: Yes, for sure. Now, the, the two that have happened this year have not happened at the same time as a Brewers game, which has oh. been kind of interesting. Um, they, they've been games when the Brewers were either playing during the day or off on those days. So haven't been in the press box as the buzz was building for those, for those games. But uh, you know, the, the Musgrove one was, was really interesting. I mean, this is somebody that was kind of an average pitcher for Pittsburgh and, and the Padres made a pretty big move to go get him because they believed in him and, and he's proving them right. He's proving he's a lot more than a fifth starter um, like you thought he might be when he was with Pittsburgh. He's getting a lot of swings and misses. He's throwing a lot more breaking balls. He had twenty seven swings and misses on Monday night against the Brewers. He he's he's made himself one of the more elite pitchers in the game as of right now. And we'll see if that continues. But he looks like a different guy on the mound. And then just a cool story for O'Don. I mean, he's had so many injuries and and just really never been able to live up to that first-round status when he was selected out of NC State by the Chicago White Sox. I remember watching him in a rehab start uh, in Zebulon, North Carolina against the Carolina Mudcats when I was visiting to see our high-A affiliate at the time. And so to see him kind of have a, a, a renaissance for his career i think that's a great story and and i'm really happy for him
1: yeah that's cool all right uh done with the brewer uh, done with the padres what's up for the crew next
3: uh flying to chicago and three with the cubs it'll be the third series already with chicago to start this year so they'll have nine of their 19 out of the way in the month of wow. april against the chicago cubs and then a home stand with the marlins and dodgers coming to town so that'll provide some interest as well no
1: uh, all right, appreciate it. Drive carefully in that snow. We'll talk
3: next week. Absolutely. Thanks, Greg.
0: It's time to buy or sell. Now here's the hosts of Buy or Sell, Tim Curran Sold.
8: and Austin Orman. Welcome back in, folks. One and all for another very special edition of Buy Sell. I don't really know if there's anything special about it. Other than that, I had a sure decent week. I had a decent week. Austin actually had a pretty good week, unfortunately. He's probably going to try and rub he it needed in. needed it. Yeah, I needed it big time. It. Nah, there you go. There you go. Well, without much further ado, we'll just go ahead and jump right into the new answers from last week. Uh, starting with Ben's Big Ten V-Ball question, this one from March 31st, Buyer saw that at least five Big Ten volleyball teams would make the Sweet 16 in the NCAA tournament. The answer ended up being a buy as all six Big Ten teams that were in the tournament made the Sweet 16. Everyone got that right. Except for me, who sold it. I was not big on the Big Ten, and well, (laughs) it came back to bite me. Timmy! I know. (laughs) I know. Kevin Warren, right now, shaking his head in disapproval as I doubted his beloved conference, but here we are. Oh well. Volleyball performed much better than the men's basketball teams did in the tournament. Yes, they did. Correct. Although that was not a hard mark to place, unless you were Michigan. True. Very true. True enough.
7: All right. From volleyball to Major League Baseball, a Josh question from March 31st. He asked us by or sell that the first team to 10 wins in Major League Baseball comes from the American League. The answer, a sell. It was the Dodgers one week ago tonight. They were the first one there. The first American League team was Boston three days later. Four of us correct. Greg and Ben, you two are correct with a sell. Brett and myself also correct. Josh and Tim bought it. They both picked the Yankees, who are very much not close to 10 wins mm. right now.
9: <laughs> and, Oops. Greg,
7: you and I both called our shot with the Dodgers. A so bonus points for the two of us. Way <sighs> to go, ding, boys. ding, ding, Look ding
8: at us. I don't remember agreeing to bonus points, but I'll allow it. I'll well, allow it. <laughs> we just did, you just did. Okay. You well, just, you just agreed. Just trampled over the uh, rules committee. Oh well, it is what it is. <laughs> uh, moving on to uh, well, let's actually use Austin's question: A Husker volleyball one from April seventh. Byers said the Husker volleyball plays at least eight sets in the NCAA tournament. Well, that answer was a buy. They played ten, so just a little bit over eight. Austin, myself, and Greg, Ben, and Josh all got it right with the buy. Just Brett Whitty doubting mm. big red with the sell. Brett, I mean, I think he deserves that get ding there. I mean, you doubt the big red. Uh, you deserve to get a black mark against your name. So We almost had a yay team except for Brett. <laughs> yeah, happens. Although I wouldn't be surprised if that was uh, Brett getting hit by the old auto selection uh, thing. I don't know if, how diligent Brett has been in filling out his buy cells. I actually have uh, been very good the past couple weeks filling out my answers. So just uh, wanted to good get that out you, there buddy. for the record. After, I w- after my name was disparaged on this very program, I, I just wanted to get that out there. So So there you have it.
7: Three questions and the self-compliments are flowing. <laughs> <laughs> someone's yep, got, someone's are. got to do it.
8: Someone's got to have pat themselves on the back, you know?
7: All right, well, here's a Tim question from two weeks ago. Tim asked, by yourself, that Shohei Otani of the Los Angeles Angels strikes out at least five batters and gives up less than three runs in his next start. The answer was a bye. Showtime 7Ks, no runs allowed wow. against the putrid Rangers. So four of us correct. Ben, you and I correct. Brett and Tim also correct. Greg, you were with Josh and Telling.
2: Yeah. So the crazy. Believer- so let me let me. It, was this the start that he just made or the one before that? Because last was it night. the one with six walks?
8: Uh, well, just uh, well, according I guess we'll have to check with Josh because Josh I want to say last I,
7: night.
2: I want yeah okay. If it was last night's start, he struck out seven but walked six. Any any. He had the bases loaded in the first inning and was able to get back to back strikeouts to get out of a jam. So oh, there you that, go. So yeah, just by very the skin easily, of teeth. yeah, Very easily could have been a, a sell.
8: It's okay. Well, I knew what I was doing when I said that line, you know? So yay me. Again, not trying to self compliment myself, but <laughs> I, I Sam, did. Tim, your self- back's going to hurt from all the padding <laughs> that you're doing <laughs> yeah. on it. That's okay with me. Uh, <laughs> got another uh, answer here. Greg, a Husker baseball cue by ourselves that Nebraska would have at least 10 extra base hits against Penn State. The answer was a sell, just barely. Yeah. They only had a measly nine, as opposed to yeah, ten. No extra home runs. Uh, but Greg, you got that right with the sell. So did I. Uh, we doubted Nebraska, and oh, what do you know? This time it actually paid off. Everyone else, though, wrong with the buy. Mm. How about no home runs last weekend for either team? Mm. Yeah, it was like the wind blowing in at State College. No, it. it was, it Max was Anderson kinda,
7: it, got robbed of one.
8: It was actually drifting out a little bit, but we had really heavy air
1: Friday nights. It was cold and damp, but then the next two days weren't bad. It just, nothing, nobody hit one out.
7: Crazy. All right, back to NCAA Volleyball and back to Tim Byersel. That Of the 16 total matches in the second round, at least half of them would be sweeps. The answer A by twelve of the sixteen second round matchups were sweeps, and the producers swept this category. All four of us back here got it right. The two hosts, though, not so much. Mm, I doubters,
8: hmm. haters. I remember Greg was was especially yeah. down on this question. He's like, no well, way. I mean, this so wasn't. Bent. If if that was if it was a true sixty four team tournament and that was round one, yeah, I would have bought. But round of thirty two, you're. You should have had a lot more competitive matches, but they weren't. There were a lot of routes. Now there you go. Again, not. I'm not. I'm not going to self-congratulate myself. I'm just going to stay humble and and just and just move on with the segment. I think so. he did, Ben. I think he did. <laughs>
2: don't you? No comment. The fact that he has to like bring attention to it, it's like it's really hard for him to not. You know what I mean? It's like. I'm not going to do it, but I want to do it.
8: I just – yeah, I'm just being the bigger man right now. I just hope you guys appreciate that. Uh, here's another Husker volleyball question. This was from Josh. sell that Nebraska's team leader in kills for each NCAA tournament match would have an average of 16 kills. That answer ended up being a sell it was 13.3 in three matches. Uh, so it was myself, Austin, Greg, and Ben. You guys both got that all correct with a sell. But Brett and Josh, a little overeager. They bought it. Got it wrong. Hmm. Yeah, sixteen was a little too high. Just a little too high. I think we made yep. the mark of that, remarked on that at the time. So yep. not surprising. Not surprising.
7: All right. On to a Brett Whitty NBA special for our next answer. He asked, buy or sell that the Celtics outscore the Lakers by at least 15 points in their matchup last Thursday, or that a player scores over 40 points in the game. The answer, a sell. Boston took the game by eight points, and Jalen Brown hit exactly 40 points. He did not go over. So because it's a push, it is a (laughs) sell, and we get a yay team. Everyone sold it.
1: Yay, yay team.
2: I think I I said Jalen Brown would be the one. We'll have to go back and listen to it, but I'm pretty sure if if anybody do it, it's going to be Jalen Brown. Okay. Sure enough.
7: Look at that. Pat myself on the back
2: here. Yeah, we'll just (laughs) call Jalen Brown, and I got the question Someone,
8: Someone phoned the booth. We need a replay review on this one. Um, All right, well, in lieu of that, uh, we'll move on to our next answer. Another one from Ben. A Husker baseball question. Buy or sell that numbers one through five on Nebraska's team would have more hits than the rest of the team combined against Penn State. That answer, it was a buy. Hitters one through five had 23 hits. The rest of the team had just 15 against the Nittany Lions. Just Brett and myself doubted this, sold it, got it wrong. Everyone else correct with the buy. Wow, love it!
7: All right, last answer for the week. I asked a Husker softball question. By yourself, Actually, the you're skipping softball. over my
8: question, aren't you? Yeah, my, my Major did League I Baseball know? question. Yes, I,
7: I did. Whoops. All right, Major League Baseball before my question. By yourself, the Red Sox winning streak will last at least three more games, or the J.D. Martinez has an extra base hit in two out of the next three games. That answer ended up being a sell. Boston immediately lost its next game. <laughs> the Curse of Tim. And the Curse of Tim, even stronger as JD Martinez has no extra base hits over the next three games. So if you hadn't picked up on it, the answer, a sell. And all four of us present were correct in selling it. The other two in the pre- a go. Great team.
8: Yep. If that was a stock, I bought it high, and sold it low. So there you go. Red Sox were hot, cooled off pretty quick. Uh, Wrapping up, I guess, the questions or answers with Austin's Husker Softball. Buyers sell that Husker Softball would score at least 24 runs or would allow fewer than 12 runs against Minnesota this past weekend in their four-game series. That answer ended up being a sell. They only scored 13 and allowed 23. Austin, the only sucker to buy it and the only one to get it wrong, as we all got it right with a sell. Good for us, which brings us to this week's totals. Greg went and Austin both ten of eleven this week. Not bad Ooh. at all. Wow. Not Woo-hoo. bad at all. Ben went nine of eleven. I went eight of eleven, and then Josh and Brett both went six of eleven, which brings Those us are to good weeks. Good, yeah, very yes. good. Very, yeah, we really were really good this week. Uh, in first place, Ben McLaughlin, fifty-two of eighty-two on the season. In second place, a tie with Greg and myself, both at forty-nine of eighty-two, and then in a uh, distant third, you have uh, Josh at forty-eight of eighty-two. And then Austin forty four of eighty two and, and Brett bringing up the rear here at forty three of eighty two. So some some room to make up for Mr. Woody. But uh,
7: one good week out of the cellar. Yeah,
8: yeah. Yeah. There you have it. There you have it. Good for you. And Ben's got You're a on three, the climb,
7: Austin. Question yeah.
8: lead. Man. Yeah, he's he's yeah, he's he's uh you know, pacing us I right go, now. I go ten of eleven and
2: I pick up like one. <laughs>
8: good
0: gosh.
2: With 52 of 82 is a pretty dang good percentage. Yeah. 63.4%. Yeah, I mean, Remember when we were, we were happy just getting over 50 right. one, one season.
8: Yeah, this is true. This is true. Which brings us to this week's question, starting with uh, with uh, Mr. Greg Sharp. Also, stand by.
1: All right. Uh, where's my question? Here it is. Okay. Uh, Husker Baseball is my question. Buy or sell that Nebraska hits four or more home runs this week against Sparty. Hmm remember, I just said they didn't hit any last week. Um, but I'm going to buy this. I, I think the bats are going to heat up a little bit. I think this ballpark, it'll carry out of there a little. So I think they're going to get four or more this week. I'll buy it.
2: Yeah, I do think they're due to f- bop a few. I'm going to buy it also.
8: I'm going to sell this, not because I'm pessimistic on the runs Nebraska's offense can generate, but just because I don't think we're going to get to four. I think we get to three. So yeah. I'm going to sell it.
7: I'll buy it. Weather seems like it should be good enough for it. So, sure. Give me me the long balls.
2: Okay. Brings us
8: to
7: Ben.
2: All right. We'll stick with Husker Baseball for this next question. Buy or sell that Niska has as many or more stolen bases than Michigan State this weekend. Two teams that love to run. And I'm buying it. I know Michigan State's got a good catcher, but uh, we've got a couple good ones ourselves. Michigan State has... Uh, the program's leader in stolen bases, Bryce Kelly, who has been uh, he's still there. eligible at Michigan State for 47 <laughs> years. So, Jeez. Um, yeah, he's the Big Ten leader right now in swipes, and they love to run, but I, I, I'm going to choose the Huskers. Why not? It's good stuff.
8: Fun fact, I actually had a distant cousin that played for Michigan State. Now no longer does. That was a fun fact. I just wanted to throw that out there. Probably not so much fun for everyone else. But uh, I'm going to buy this because I think Nebraska's been aggressive on the base path this year. And, uh,
7: yeah, I'm, I'm confident in the big red. Bye. Uh, do I get a chance to call Coach Harvell before and make sure he knows <laughs> they have to get running? Because if so, it's an easy <laughs> buy. But even so, I think I'll still buy it. Give me the big red, swipe in the bags.
1: Nebraska does a good job of holding runners with their pitching staff. And I think Nebraska's going to have more opportunities to run. So
8: I'll buy it. There you go. We all bought it. Uh, I got an NBA question, you know, everyone knows I'm an avid NBA guy. Uh, buyer selled up the Warriors. Steph Curry will have at least one more game this season where he makes at least ten mm. three pointers. Mm. Now, not a whole lot of games left, but I'm buying. I'm buying it. Steph's hot. he's gonna he's gonna make it rain from, from three point so, land. It's a regular season game, correct? Well, I guess not, we could extend the, the postseason because they're... They,
7: it just says this won't. season. doesn't say regular season in the question. Yeah, it just says season. Are they going to so make the playoffs? They'll make the play in tournament at least.
8: So we'll extend the postseason. I'll, I'll, I'll make a note because I, I think I said this season, that includes postseason. So I'll just make a note includes postseason. So there you go.
7: Yeah, Steph You're started a little... you buying it, Tim? I'm buying it. Yep. Steph started a little cold tonight, 2 of 10 and 0 of 6. Well, on that. From the floor in the first half, but... Just a bump in the road. I think he does it a couple more times. I wouldn't be surprised. Easy buy for me.
2: Pretty sure he's cooked 28 in the fourth quarter the other night. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. He just needs one good quarter.
2: I don't know that it's an easy buy, but I'll buy it. Don't love it, but I'll buy it. I'm selling it. He's he's done it six times this year, and I think the percentages are that he probably doesn't get there again. And there were yeah. times where he was getting triple teamed tonight a little bit, so uh, that's a sell for me.
7: All right, from the hardwood to the diamond for my question. Buy or sell that at least two teams with negative run differentials lead their division at the end of play next Tuesday. And for reference, as we look at division leaders with negative run differentials, we have your Kansas City Royals still in first place of the division, seven runs under. The A's and Mariners within a half a game of each other in the AL West, minus two and minus three, respectively. National League East, the Mets are two games or two runs under with a one-game lead on the Phillies, who are six runs negative, and those are your bets because Milwaukee and Los Angeles are both at least plus 20, as is Boston. So, How many? Two of them? We need two of them. Right now we have four, and I'm going to sell it. It can still I be the same one, teams, but if their I, run differential is positive, it'd be a sell.
1: The NL East is maybe your best bet, I think, because the A's are red hot. I think they're probably going to go above it in the next few
8: days. So I think there's one, but not two. So I sell as well. Yeah, I'm selling. Yeah, I'm selling as well. I didn't even want to think through this question. There's too much moving, too many moving parts. (laughs) Sell, sell. Uh, That brings us to a Josh Q got a college volleyball one for us. By ourselves, that Wisconsin wins the national championship. And neither of their matches goes to five sets. Josh bought it. I'm going to buy it as well. I think Wisconsin are just that good. And I think I might see a four setter in there, but uh, not a five setter, uh, which, remember, only go to 15. Uh, so I'm going to buy this.
7: It just got pushed to five by the Gators. I am selling the and.
8: That a boy,
1: Austin, you've learned well. I'm learning. It's a sell. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll tell you what, guys. I think Texas might get him tomorrow night. Now hmm. yeah, I could see that. I could see it.
2: No, I'm buying it. You're buying it, huh? John Baylor said this Wisconsin team would give Brazil all they could handle. Ooh. So he did
7: say that. I'm huh. buying it. Good deal. aren't we move from volleyball to what Brett is it, titling "World Football," oh, but which I oh, assume geez. means soccer for those of us who don't world like football. Uh, oh, Brett's question: By or that at least two of the four Big Six teams playing this weekend in the Premier League either lose or draw their match. And Tim, I don't know what constitutes a Big Six. So who are we well, looking I, at here? You
8: know, I don't even, I don't even know what constitutes a Big Six. I think that's kind of changed over the years. Like I don't like, is Manchester City considered a Big Six team? I guess, I guess based now they the, are. Based
7: on the wording of the question, my guess is that it's Arsenal. Liverpool, Chelsea, and Manchester United are the sense. four remaining. Would be my guess.
8: And Tottenham, I guess. So do
7: four of them either lose or draw?
8: Two, two of the four.
7: Two yeah. of the four lose or draw. Brett is buying it. Uh don't know what uh, that means for me, but sure, I'll, 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 I'll buy two. Like
8: I'm gonna. Or draws. I'm going to sell just because, yeah, I think I need like a a hieroglyphics to like try and decipher what Brett means by the big six. Um, No, I think I know it it should be Arsenal, Liverpool, I believe Chelsea, Man Man U and Tottenham. That would make sense. Um, Yeah, so Arsenal's playing Everton, Liverpool's playing Newcastle, Chelsea's playing West Ham. United's playing Leeds, Tottenham, Man City. Uh, I mean, it's, it, I mean, this is the point of the season where everything's winded down anyway. Sometimes you see a lot of reserve guys play, so it's kind of hard to gauge just on strength of squad alone. So I, I'm just going to sell it and call it good. I don't have a good read on this question. Flip a coin for me,
2: I, I guess, <laughs> by. <laughs> I don't know about you guys. I, I, I was extensive in the West Ham playbook today and, and watching their so? movement, huh? their formations, and, you know, like their flow. like I think it's a good matchup for them <laughs> against Chelsea. Um, Leeds, you got to imagine they got some leader <laughs> team just based on the name. But do they have some I heard Everton leaders? Their... I, I heard Everton's trash this that's, year. That's low um, blow.
8: They're just doing okay. They beat Liverpool this year, so that's good. Also, you know, man, Newcastle's. You, know, you would know it's pronounced West Am. You don't pronounce the
2: H. You fake soccer hooligan. I don't pretend to be anything, so I don't <laughs> think I'm, I'm fake at all. You know Newcastle's defense is is legit, so um, of course, of course. Give me uh, based on all that. I, um, missing my head here, Greg. You you buy lot. I'll sell it. There we go. Look at that. Based on that logic that I just threw out there. That was about <laughs> as airtight of logic as like an
8: astrology, but I, I like it, which uh, which brings us back to Greg for Husker Softball Cube. Yep.
1: All right, fire shell that Nebraska gets more home runs than Wisconsin this weekend. We're gonna hear from Ronda Ravel here in a couple of minutes. Just for context, Nebraska on the season has hit twenty home runs, Wisconsin sixteen, so they've hit more. I'll buy it.
8: Wisconsin's pitching's pretty good though. I'm gonna get yeah, one of the better ERAs. For that reason, I think I'm gonna sell. But I can see it going. I can see it going both ways.
2: I uh, I'm about to interview the head softball coach, so I'd look pretty silly for.
7: <laughs> <laughs> buy it. Uh, yeah, sure. Give me, give me the long balls again. I'll buy it to him.
8: And there we go. Back to Ben.
2: Okay, here we go. Major League Baseball question: Buy or sell that Milwaukee Brewers starting pitcher, Corbin Burns? Strikes out at least 50 batters before issuing his first walk of the season. He has 40 strikeouts to zero walks on the year right now. Already a Major League Baseball record. Just absolutely ridiculous what he's doing right now. That being said, I think it's probably in a little bit, and I'm going to sell it. I think he walks his first guy before he gets 10 more Ks.
8: Okay. I'm going to buy it. Why not? Dude's on fire. I'm going to buy in a mood, so buy.
7: Glad we talked to Lane before this segment instead of after, so he actually picked up on us, but I'm going to sell it. I think he does end up throwing, throwing a few too many balls.
1: Law of average is going to catch up with him. He walks somebody here soon. He's, it's a sell for me.
8: Okay. All right, I've got a spring game question for you guys. Buy saw that Thomas Fedoni is the leading receiver at tight end in terms of receiving yards in the spring game, or Jack was Yant scores the first rushing tutty of the game. I'm gonna buy it. I think both are gonna happen. So there we there we go. Bye.
7: Bold. I'm going the opposite way. I will sell this one. <laughs>
1: yeah, I uh, don't. I don't know that Yant. I don't think Yant scores the first touchdown. But Fedoni or Austin, Austin Allen? Davis. But I'm gonna sell it. I think I think Austin Allen probably has more receiving yards. Yeah,
7: I'm gonna take my profits here and sell as well. <laughs> Fair. All right, Tim, kind of copying my homework as I have a spring game question as well. <laughs> uh, buy or sell today. Walk-on leads Nebraska in rushing yards, receiving yards, yards, or tackles in the spring game. I think we'll have some close calls, but I'm going to sell it.
8: Yeah, I'm okay. selling that too. Sorry, Scollies only.
1: Receiving, no, tackles. Actually, tackles could be the closest one, but right. I'll sell it.
7: The, the logic here was the scholarship running backs being injured. Yep. No, that's true. Interest.
8: Yep. Hmm. No, ben, that, little,
2: that little nugget there from Austin has me kind of rethinking things. And we're not real sure of the format either or how the teams are going to be split up. I'm going to sell it, but I don't feel good about it.
8: Okay, and that brings us to the end of another storied week of buy Self. Fantastic. Man, what a week. 10 of 11. I'm really happy with
2: that. Welcome back. Sports Nightly here on the Husker Sports Network. Just about 20 minutes left in our program here tonight on a Wednesday. Thanks to everybody for staying with us. Through the night, and happy to welcome into the program now, head coach of Nebraska softball, our good friend, head coach Ronda Ravel. Coach, first of all, thanks again for joining us. I know you know you play a tough team in Minnesota, a really, really good team, good program. How has your team kind of responded since uh, since the series with the Gophs, and how are they feeling entering another series with Wisconsin? Uh, two
9: and two. We had a tough night Friday night, and uh, you know we took the lead there, and that opening game against Amber Pfizer, of course, an all American on the mound and put Liv Farrell in and she only lasted 11 pitches. And it was interesting because she got called for six illegal pitches, never been called for illegal pitches, wasn't called for illegal pitches the rest of the weekend. Um, so that was just really an unfortunate situation there. Cause she really had been throwing well. And then, you know, on Saturday, we, we didn't play particularly well. Um, you know, offensively, I thought lived through a gym, but to, to come back, uh, I thought it was a real step forward for our program to come back tough on Sunday and, you know, beat autumn peas who had no hit us the day before. And then they bring Pfizer in, and we were able to uh, score three runs off of her as well. So I thought it was, I thought we finished the weekend very strong. Uh, That was an important step for our program. I I feel like, Uh, and the other thing that been these four game series, I mean, you know, we're, we don't have pitching stabs of 10 or 12 people. You know, mm. Our, we have some pitchers that are seeing the same hitter, you know, 10, 11, 12 at-bats.
2: I, I wanted to start there because that 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 is probably the biggest change for you, I, I would imagine, is just how that changes, and that affects more than just – um, you know the the, the amount of at bats and the amount of data that your opponents have, but the wear and tear on, on your on your pitchers' bodies—just how how different has it been uh, for Coach Sipple and those girls in the circle?
9: Yeah, it's it's been um, you know I don't I don't know that any school has it figured out. In fact, every coach that I talked to said this is really rigorous and really challenging. Especially, there are a lot of teams that are you know have two pitchers that are doing the bulk of the work and you know we have Courtney Wallace and Liv Farrell who of course have collegiate innings but beyond that you know we've got we've got young arms and so they're getting spot work but it's like baptism by fire throwing them right into a very competitive league
2: no question about it and you know as you said sometimes those are hard lessons to learn and you know, handling that mentally can be a chore for any sport, let alone a ball bass sport that's designed for you to fail. One of your players that really hasn't dealt with much failure, and it's a player that I remember you highlighted for us when we talked to you before you went down to Florida, and that's Billy Andrews. She's raked in a couple freshman of the week honors, more than a couple. What have you liked about her approach to the game, Coach, and being able to succeed at such a young age?
9: Well, first of all, um, she just has really high expectations uh, for herself and her ability to step on the field and perform. Now, with that, Ben, comes, you know, I I think a lot of times when they're freshmen and they're maybe have hit 500 in high school and now they're hitting 340, they almost see that as failure. And and Billy sometimes falls victim to her own high expectations, but it's also the thing that keeps her achieving at such a high level. So, you know, just she reminds me a lot of Alicia Armstrong that way. You probably remember that name. Oh, um, yeah. Because, because Alicia, Alicia would talk to our hitting coach, Diane Miller, and say, what do you mean I can't hit 600? What, why isn't that realistic? And um, I love the fact that she thought she could, and it probably got her, you know, to her 350, 360 average. But I think with Billy, it's the same thing. She's really – she's got – she's an intelligent um, – individual so she plays a really smart game she's got a great competitive motor and she's just a stellar athlete um really fun to coach really feel blessed to be able to have her in a husker uniform
2: Coach Rhonda Ravel joining us here on Sports Nightly. I'm Ben McLaughlin. Coach, I don't want to make it seem like the season's ending tomorrow, but hard to believe there's just 16 regular season games left. you got a couple of series at home. What's what's the message to the team knowing that you know, you're, you've got eight here at home before um, you head to Iowa and then you head to Evanston before you finish out the year and how important this next stretch is?
9: Yeah, our message, in fact, we spent some time talking about it today, is that you get to this point in the season and – everybody's beat up a little bit. Everybody's tired. Everybody's, you know, um, you know, they're, to, they're getting ready to go into finals and who can do this time of year best because everybody in the other dugout's going through the same thing. And so it was really about locking in and locking down. And, you know, we have, we've had some success. We've, we've lost some games that we thought we should have won and we wish we could go back and redo, but we're still sitting in a place where we feel like we control our own destiny. So every game matters. Every practice matters. Every bat matters. And so we just really tried to reset and refocus on, you know, be here now, um, work to be the best every day and really work to get better every day. And, and that's what we, we want to put our signature on as a program this year is we want to be playing our best softball the last game of the year.
2: Absolutely. It's always the goal at the end of the season to be playing your best. Six and two at home. How great is it to get, get to Bowling Stadium, get back in your dugout, and your own facilities, your own lockers, and then, of course, be uh, be on the field with some Husker fans cheering you on?
9: Yeah, that's been really fun. And, you know, we had a head coaches meeting uh, at noon today, and, you know, Bill was even talking about just having fans because we haven't seen fans. So, you know, the bat and ball sports have had some fans this year, and it really – it caused me to pause and think how fortunate are we when so many of our colleagues and, and teams at Nebraska haven't had fans this year. So really feel fortunate to sometimes I just stand out there at third base and just kind of close my eyes and feel the buzz of the crowd. And uh, you never want to take that for granted.
2: No question. It's It's been really cool. Um, having having softball and baseball home, able to peek my head over at bowling and keep up with you guys as well. It's it's just really cool to have that feeling back with with two two ball clubs on on the on the field at the same time. And I know our fans are really enjoying that too. Coach, really appreciate you jumping on and giving us an update. We wish your team the best of luck against a good Wisconsin team, and hopefully the fans are there cheering on uh, down in Lincoln again uh, this weekend, and and hope for some more success at home. Thanks so much, and best of luck.
9: Thank you, Ben. Thanks a lot.